0: Asshole Court is a biweekly podcast in which a group of lifelong friends choose a controversial public figure and examine their history through available public records and various publications to determine if that person is as much of an asshole as the general public suspects.
1: We rate the subjects on a not-so-scientific scale, ranging from Mr. Rogers to Hitler, 1 to 11, and
2: average out the three scores in the end for our final number. Just a reminder, our judgment has no legal weight, is strictly an opinion, and is subject to change at any time, especially in the case of new evidence. It shouldn't be taken seriously, so just don't.
1: The name Mike Lindell might not ring a bell to some of our listeners. But if I said the My Pillow guy, odds are almost every one of our American listeners knows exactly who I'm talking about. For a decade plus, this creep mustachioed character has haunted television sets across the nation, proclaiming the power of the pillow, all while wearing what appears to be some sort of button-down business pajama suit. Some of you might be thinking, "Yeah, I know the guy, but why do an entire show about some obscure infomercial douche that looks like Magnum PI's gay older brother?" And it's certainly true that there are other quasi-celebrity pitchmen out there, so why focus on this one? Why focus on any of them? Well, the truth is that the Mike Lindell story is as weird as they come. And as you'll find out shortly, he might have had more influence on your lives than just annoying you with his public penchant for pillory. America loves a pitchman. It loves a good business success story. It loves debauchery. And the Mike Lindell story has it all. So grab your business pajamas, your favorite pillow, and snuggle up for a wild story of drugs, failure, redemption, money, and power on this latest episode of Asshole Court. Right, before we get started, we want to thank everyone out there who has rated our show, left reviews or offered show suggestions. We love every interaction, like every review. Sincerely, even the horrible ones are funny in their own way. Like the recent one that listener Wizard 70 left us where he or she was apparently extremely upset that we called Michael Jackson a child molester on our R. Kelly episode. Uh, <laughs> we, <laughs> we like the good reviews better, of course, like Gretchen's praise for the show. and interesting theory of Courtney Love being a CIA operative. But we really just want you guys and gals to tell us what you think. So please take a moment to rate and review the show and hit us up on social media. Thanks. Yeah, we love
0: it. All the good ones and even the bad ones. So, uh, hey, keep them coming. That's it.
2: So now let's get to preliminary scores on My Pillow Guy. Randy, what you got? All right. So you heard a lot about Mike Lindell during the last presidential election mm-hmm. and oh, shortly yeah. thereafter. Mm-hmm. Um, you alluded to in your intro about him being all over our television sets for the past decade or so. I said it in our last episode, I hate it when a founder of a company involves himself in the marketing campaigns. Mm-hmm. Oh, 100%. A um, little narcissistic, uh, but his commercials are just fucking terrible. Like, yeah, they're really strange. Yeah, he treats the pillow like- um, Like it's a friend. Like, Yeah, or it's his firstborn kid or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's it's odd. It's weird. Kind of um, like
0: how
1: Linus has the blanket that he
2: always yeah, carries around. That's right.
0: If
1: Linus fucked his blanket. That's <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Which he did. Yeah. You know that happened. You know he did. That was that dude's cum rag. Linus was blowing loads into that blanket. Just saying. Get a little hole
2: a, cut out of it.
1: His mom was always having to wash it. What have you found out that Linus' dad was in the clan and that's what he just <laughs> he had his blanket. All right. We're getting way off topic. I'm sorry. Randy, continue.
2: Yes. Charlie Brown was actually a black guy, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Charlie Black. Um, black. Anyway. So yeah, um, not a huge fan of the commercials, not a huge fan of all the uh, the, the mainstream media he's injected himself into over the past six, eight months. Mm-hmm. Unneeded, unnecessary, but he thinks it's very needed and very necessary. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. I know we'll dive into that throughout the show. Off the rip, I'm going to give my pillow guy 6.5. 6.5? 6.5 yeah. 6. off right. the
1: rip. Randy with the 6.5. Buddy, what you got? All right, so, I don't know too much about Mike. Um,
0: you know, I've seen his commercials, obviously, and um, you know, as he's been popping up more, he kind of looks like Jeff Foxworthy to me, or he could mm-hmm. be like Jeff Foxworthy's brother or something like that.
2: I'm his Yankee brother, yeah, <laughs> off yeah. Of
0: Minnesota. Maybe it's the one that uh, Jeff would always be ragging on because he moved up north and you know, yeah. the northerner, southern, might
2: be a pillow biter if <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> you look like my brother, Mike Lindale.
1: Oh, I don't eat the pillows now. He said, "I just hump them."
0: <laughs> so I, um, I don't know too much about him. I saw, of course, if, you know, here in the states, especially he's been all in the news over the past six to eight months. You know, previously with the, uh, with the election and everything, so he's been kind of hard to miss. But I really don't know too much about him. I've learned some stuff, you know, doing the research. But I got to kind of tackle this as when we decided to do the show. So my pre-show asshole score for him mm-hmm. is going to be kind of low. I'm gonna give him a 5.0 because okay. that's usually where I start if I don't know somebody. All right. But I have a feeling it's gonna jump up by the end of the episode.
2: All right, okay, 5.0 for Buddy. All right, Mikey, what you got? Um, he
1: is. Yeah, there's not much to like about the guy. Like I said, I mean, it would be one thing is like there's something likable about a Billy Mays. We, I don't know what that is, right? Like I don't I don't love Pitchman at all. I don't like being like yelled at to buy products. <laughs> I don't like being pitched anything. Uh, so, but like a guy like Billy Mays had some sort of strange charisma to him that this guy lacks in, uh, you know, infinite amounts. I don't understand this guy's success. Well, it's kind of like when you go like to buy a used car, you know, Mm -hmm. like there's going to be every once in
0: a while a used car salesman that you like, you know, but, you know, he's fucking you over in the process. Mm -hmm. And I think that's Billy Mays a little bit. And I think that Mike Lindell is every other used car salesman.
1: That's a good point. Yeah, there's something greasy about this guy. So obviously, you know, he's interjected himself into the news, which, like Randy said, is just totally unnecessary and, and, and rather annoying. But. You know, I didn't know much about him personally until I did the research on the show, and so I'll start him off with a 6.0, just because I don't like Greasy Pitchman. All right.
0: All right. With a 5.0 from Buddy, a 6.5 from Randy, and a 6.0
2: from Mikey, Mike Lindell's pre-show asshole score is a 5.8. Let's see, 5.8. He ranks right around pre-show between Vince McMahon, Elizabeth Holmes, and Jose Canseco.
1: That huh? seems good, like fair company. Let's see where he winds up. Yeah, absolutely winds up. All right, you guys ready to put this thing to bed?
2: Oh, let's <laughs> <It's> do it. <laughs> Kiss nice. it good night.
0: Yeah, let's fluff the pillow and uh, get all tucked in. All
1: right, here we go. Michael James Lindell is born in Mankato, Minnesota, on June 28th, 1961. I think that's how you pronounce that. Mankato? Mankato. Mankato. Ah, yeah. Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota. Me and Prince were playing on a musical set over there at the bar, okay? I had him call me MJ, you know, yeah. for uh, Michael James. Michael but, uh, James Lindell. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I couldn't find much about his early life at all. And I did some decent digging there. There doesn't seem to be, he doesn't talk about, like, his parents or his upbringing, really, or whatever. Maybe, maybe there's just not much there. Could be, man. Maybe he's uh, he was bred in a laboratory of some sort <laughs> to be some sort of greaseball salesman. There's like, sincerely, there's just like a couple of short sentences about him going to the University of Minnesota and dropping out. Uh, Lindell said, quote, I went to the U of M for one quarter and I was uh, working two jobs. I felt like I was just wasting my time. And that's pretty much the start of his story. Oh, wow golden gopher oh golden gopher for one quarter <laughs> he went for a, a quarter he didn't make really? it this semester <laughs> oh wow yeah is that what i uh, read that right let me make sure i got that yeah for one quarter
2: he said fuck it man." boy he really didn't stay long no yeah. uh no i got other big plans okay i had a couple <laughs> buddies in college that uh they went for a year yeah and i mean a sem- I, I think one of our friends or went for a semester though just one semester and that was it called it quits. yeah, yeah. Party time. Yeah. Most <laughs> folks will go for at least do one year and be like, yeah, this may not be for me. But yeah. A quarter. Which, <laughs> Think about that. That's like eight weeks.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he got really fucked up. Well, that's all going to play out here in a minute. Uh, but yeah, that's the start of the story. Born, dropped out of college. That's <laughs> like one, two. Uh, the two jobs and school were too much for him, which is understandable. I mean, that would be a tough schedule. So he drops school and decides to focus on his jobs. One job was at a local grocery store, and the other was as a flatulist, a professional farter. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Obviously, that's a joke. What um, was that
2: guy's name? Lepetamane. Lepetamane. Yeah. He yeah.
1: yeah. was the biggest farter in all of Minnesota. Lapeta, Minnesota. That's it. <laughs> He said, oh, I get me some uh, Ludafisk and then I fart, and then they said, but people didn't buy tickets because it cleared out the whole the whole arena. You ever smelled a lutefisk fart? Oh, I, I got to tell you, you don't want to. Pickled shark farts? Oh, brother. <laughs> Anyways, uh, unfortunately for Mike, not only was he not great at college, he apparently wasn't great at grocery store stuff either because he was fired from that job shortly after leaving the uh, University of Minnesota.
2: Oh, wow. How do you? I mean, I, I understand how you can get fired from a grocery store, but it's like stocking shelves and ringing people up and yeah. showing up. It's like 90% of the job, man. That's right. Just be there, you know? Yeah.
0: And that was like the majority of his workload, and that was what was too much for college at
1: the same time. Well, I just, I was trying to figure out what happened. He doesn't really get into that. The only thing he says is that, quote, he says, I actually got fired at the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> he said, apparently, uh, he clashed with his manager, which could be over anything, but. He believes that the manager sparked his entrepreneurial spirit. He says, well, Mike, if you don't like it here, maybe you can get your own company someday. And this reminds me a lot of the interaction from another one of our shows in which Cardi B's manager recommended that she become a stripper. That's right. <laughs> yep. Neither, across the street. That's yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> Neither of these manager comments are good faith advice. They are obviously snarky insults to the protagonists in both of these stories. And yet both Cardi B and Mike Lindell seem to have taken them as sincere encouragement they were kind of like my mentor
2: yeah shit look where they both wound up not necessarily like the greatest people in the world but i don't envy
0: either one of them but they have you know made something of their lives for
1: sure it's true it's like the vice principal at our high school that told me why don't you do everybody a favor and walk out of here and never come back (laughs) and look where i'm at (laughs) (laughs) oh man Yeah. So if only his grocery store manager had given him more sincere and specific advice like, hey, Mike, don't suck so much at such a basic job. (laughs) But Mike Lindell was a dreamer and the point had stuck. He was going to become an entrepreneur so that he could be his own boss so that he didn't have to have a manager telling him, Mike, mop this aisle, stock these shelves, stop ogling that teenager. The only question for Mike was what business would he start? And in retrospect, the choice was pretty obvious. What did America really need? A card-counting blackjack chart, of course. <laughs> <laughs> what?
2: <laughs> yeah. 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 The card-counting did not go as well as he thought it would, initially. You're having a hard time in the grocery store. I'm not sure, like, it's true. fast-paced analytical work at a card table is going to be, like, right up your alley. Yeah, and why is it that everybody thinks that they
1: could count
2: cards if they just tried?
1: You know what I'm saying? If if that was the case, then you just read a book on the weekend and everybody's just fucking casinos over left and right. Yeah,
2: 100%. You you can read a book and learn how to do it, but doing it in practicality is not just going to work. One thing is they use what's called the six deck shoe. Correct. Uh, It's six decks of cards in the big shoe. So the randomness of the cards that are coming are that much higher. Yes. Right. So you can learn to count cards on a 52 card deck get that down pretty well, but then multiply those odds or reduce those odds by six times. Mm -hmm. That's what you're dealing with in an actual casino. And there, I
1: I was at a casino in Biloxi that had a single deck blackjack Blackjack table. But when I sat down, I didn't realize that that whole rule set is totally fucking different. Like You can't speak You have to do all this story. So I made an ass out of myself Scrape the table scrape the table yeah. All stuff like that So it took me two hands Before I was like Man fuck this dude This is <laughs> out. Like, Yeah In my mind I was like I can probably figure this out You know what I mean I was like I read a couple pamphlets Before I went to Biloxi <laughs> Got my shit kicked in Five hundred dollars later And I'm walking to my hotel Because I can't afford a cab <laughs> Tail in between your legs That's totally true The last hand the, the blackjack dealer Just kicked the shit out of me Like I dropped a twenty And I put like fifty bucks down Because I was I was like fuck it i'm on tilt but he dropped 21 of course he did and he said thank you sir he's there's something like that and i was like uh thanks dude yeah i like, really appreciate it man and i just walked out of there and
2: just, i always envisioned the dealer from uh vegas vacation national mm-hmm. opinions vegas vacation yeah. where clark griswold is at the table and the dealer is just that snarky little shit yeah uh, oh the, yeah the yeah guy. yeah uh-huh. Yeah, but uh, so uh, the card counting
1: did not go as well, like I was saying. Uh, he says, I remember being at one of the big casinos, he recalled. He thought the dealer was cheating him, outraged. The then 22-year-old kid from Minnesota called over the pit bosses. He said, I said, he's second-dealing me. He's second-dealing me. And I'm thinking, this guy's in trouble. But Lindell was wrong. They came around to the table and picked him up and literally threw him out the front door. Nice. All right. Yeah. he got the eject button, right? That's right. To be fair, at that time, though, Lindell was also trying a more traditional approach to entrepreneurship. He started a carpet cleaning business after his sister's apartment became flooded. And he said, wow, this would be a good business. And I wasn't doing anything. (laughs) (laughs) This business failed. (laughs) Man, this guy is a winner right off the rip. After this, he tried raising pigs, which is a pretty big leap from card dealer to uh, carpet cleaner cleaner to pig farmer. But I think as the story (laughs) plays out, everyone should have a pretty good idea about the erratic nature of Mike Lindell's brain. What's great about this story is that the genius Mike Lindell set up his hog operation in a residential area and one day the fence broke and all the hogs got loose. So (laughs) imagine imagine pulling into your neighborhood to see pigs running around everywhere and being chased by a guy that looks like The Undertaker's
2: manager, Paul Bear, after lapro band surgery. <laughs> I can just imagine a dude rolling in this, uh, the neighborhood after work, and he just sees the pigs, and he's like, God damn it, that moron's fence broke again. You yeah, know what I, mean? I told you see, him it was going to happen again. Lindell! Hey, Lindell, you dumb shit! I'm calling the fucking Homeowners Association this moron. I'm making bacon out of your pigs, asshole. (laughs) Hey, businessman, come over here and get your fucking pig
1: off my front yard. Oh, man. But honestly, at this point, I'm thinking, like, I would totally watch this movie. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I'm already in at this point. Yeah, and I would title it The Derp of a Salesman. (laughs) Derp. After his failed hog venture, Lindell moves on to a new idea, lunch trucks. Basically, lunch trucks were food trucks that existed in the 80s, right? They they were around back then. But back then, they weren't serving like artisanal fusion food and deconstructed pizzas. <laughs> they were serving food and, you know, normal pizza. <laughs> Generally to like construction workers. Yeah, I was about to okay. say, go to the yeah.
2: construction sites around lunchtime. and Yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah. Call them roach coaches, where yep. I was like, you could
0: pick a different name than that. <laughs> I don't, you know. Yeah, I don't think you want roaches associated with anything food related. No, certainly yeah, not. Nah, but you- that's
2: they probably garnered that name based off of some of the shit they saw in those trucks. Yeah, I'm sure just, they weren't super clean. I mean, I've oh. seen some of those like construction site they're not food trucks. They're like white van. vans. Well no, they're like white vans that pull up to a construction site yeah. and they're like like the Servants. old molester vans of the eighties, yeah, and they're serving slop out the back, like in a bowl, kind of. Ugh. Well, they had the uh, remember
1: in Caddyshack, well, Dan Aykroyd was in a food truck or something like that, like that. I mean, they existed forever. It's Just now, they became like a way to do like a cheap restaurant, and everybody got real fancy, yeah, hip yeah. and cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lindell had seen the the success of food trucks in California, and he thought to himself, "We don't have anything like that this side of the Twin Cities." I could do that. That's right. I could do that. That makes sense. <laughs> so he bought a lunch wagon. And he went to the biggest business in town, forcing his way in to see the boss and promising free sandwiches for everyone during a one-week trial. The boss gave the go-ahead. He liked that entrepreneurial spirit. He was a go-getter. That's right. But I'm guessing this venture failed as well because uh, in all the articles I read, it just simply moves on to his next business venture.
2: (laughs) 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 <laughs> they ate all the free sandwiches and like I'm not buying yeah. this shit. Yeah. I'll take my one free one. And- I
1: like your entrepreneurial spirit, is that what we're gonna call yeah. it? Get
2: your sandwich dog shit. Yeah. yeah. Hey,
1: come over here, Lindell. Give me another sandwich. <laughs> give me another fucking sandwich your wife made, you fucking loser. Oh, man. Um,
2: is yeah. he serving sandwiches in the Bronx
1: now? He is now. He switched <laughs> gears. And he went up there for success. No, but his boss is from the Bronx, and he moved to Minnesota so he can make you know make it uh, on his own. It's actually a sitcom from the 80s. Nice.
2: <laughs> nice backstory.
1: That's it. But yeah, so he moved on to his next effort, which was bartending and eventually bar ownership. Now, when I was in my early 20s, the idea of owning a bar seemed like the stuff of dreams to me, like a cocktail cocktail. Yeah. cocktail I watched the movie so many fucking times oh man thinking about flipping the bottle yeah so, I was like man, Aruba, gotta... Jamaica. Yeah. I was like I'm gonna go to an island and become a bartender and then I'll eventually own my own bar called Mikey's and then I'll eventually someday I'll be a 70 year old like leather tan freak show that everyone's like oh it's Mike he's just owned the bar here for forever I'm salty as fuck and whatever uh, as I've got
2: older that sounds like hell on earth <laughs> <laughs> I bartended for a couple years in college Honestly, had a great fucking time.
1: I was about to say, I was like, Randy and I both spent time working in bars and yeah. restaurants, and it's like a pretty standard experience. It it's it is fun when you're in your early twenties, yep.
0: late teens. Sure, when you don't have responsibilities or yep. anybody like depending on you, mm-hmm. and you can stay up till three in the morning, close yeah. down. Bars
2: oh man, and- it was and it was a, a the epitome of a college bar. Man, I got to pick the music that we played at night. Mm-hmm. There would be happy hour. There would be lots and lots of really Drunk people, mm-hmm. lots of drunk girls, like lots of shots going around. Mm-hmm. I would drink like hell while I worked. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which uh-huh. sometimes would, oftentimes, is fun. Sometimes, like, at the end of the night, three o'clock in the morning, the lights come on, and you have to clean the entire bar, yeah. I'm like, whoa, whoa, paying hammered. the dishwasher 50 bucks to do it for me, <laughs> and that's, that's pretty standard, actually. It's and true. And then
0: an extra, like, 10 to wake you up when it's all
1: done.
2: And then drive home. It's um, ab- it's a, yeah.
1: <laughs> it is abnormal to find a bartender who doesn't really drink while they work. A little bit. Now I'm not saying everybody does, going right? like,
2: the high-end places. Yeah, you, that, well, you know. that's
1: different, but it's also, the, like, the pace of work. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But, like, I remember for a while there in my mid 20s, I was picking up events just to make money on the side, bartending. Like, and I did uh, New Year's Eve events. Oh, I remember that. Oh, bro. Yeah. I did like three New Year's Eves in a row. I did Halloween's. Like, I did a fucking gay Halloween party, which was just out of control. I remember that. Wild, dude. But, yeah, I definitely drank. Then it sort of just helped you, like, get through the night and just, you know, just deal with it. Because drunk people, like, excessively drunk people when you're sober, (laughs) they're annoying as fuck. yeah, Yeah.
2: I remember I, um, was bartending and it was a Halloween night and we had a band play at the bar and they covered the entire wall album by Pink Floyd. Oh yeah. And they had a, a stage set up with like lights. It was really and, fucking cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember it was so fucking busy. I was wearing a university of Georgia Jersey yeah. as like my costume or whatever. I got so hot and was running around so much, I had to step out into the kitchen and puke. Yeah. Like heat puke. You know, yeah. just so I was overheated and taking shots. And then, yeah, I barfed in the middle of my shift, and I wasn't hammered. I was just... Right. just yeah, Yeah.
1: It can get crazy. I One of those New Year's Eve nights, I remember I did not pee for... The entire shift, which is like 12, because you get in and start setting up at like five o'clock and then I got home at like six o'clock in the morning. You know what I'm saying? You're just wrapping all that up and I didn't even think about it. You're just like nonstop moving. These are, you know, it's, it sucks. My favorite was- part
2: was when, uh, dumbasses would fucking reach over the bar and yes. try to fill their own beer up. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, like I'd be on the, the other end of the bar and they would yeah. just lean over with their pitcher and start filling up i look down and they just like smile at yeah. me like oh you got me uh, you know, yeah like, no that shit ain't cool yeah get the fuck out of here yeah
1: i had dudes that were trying to steal bottles off the bars and stuff like that you just that people just get ridiculous when they get especially on new year's eve night because that's like amateur night bro. Yeah. oh it's amateur night yeah. i hate going
0: out on new year's eve anywhere like downtown or anything yeah. like that it's a uh, such a heightened risk of getting hit on the way home oh yeah
1: being around obnoxious people no i'm I'm I don't know, at the end of the night all these girls walk around holding their shoes like it's just you, but I mean the money the money was good on those nights oh, and you, fantastic. but you're working for it and that's the thing like you know with the bar life and all the excesses or whatever uh it plays pretty heavily into Lindell's life at this point because it's around this time that he dives into the fun fun world of alcoholism and cocaine addiction mm. oh yeah you know you're
0: pretty hammered but you need to finish your shift so just do a little line get you right back you know
1: yeah. On track. Yep. Temptation was too much. That's it. Lindell said it was an entry into this business. Probably wasn't a real good idea at the time because I was an addict at the time, a pretty hardcore cocaine addict. <laughs> <laughs> but regardless of his, quote, pretty hardcore cocaine addiction, Lindell seemed to have been at least moderately successful running his bar business. Like I said, you can make good money at bars. It's, it's a cash business. As long as you're business. not blowing it all on coke. Yeah. yeah. He had a, a home, a wife, and a family. with was like four kids. huh. The but, American dream right there. That's it. Yeah. Cocaine, kids, <laughs>
2: all the <laughs> Your <K's>. own business. <laughs> yeah. The name um, of my bar, my bar. My bar. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: excellent. <laughs> Do you have a show subject you think would be a great fit for asshole court? Hit us up on any of our social media pages and let us know. As you know, we're full of good ideas and some say full of other stuff but we'd love to hear your ideas as well. Give us a shout, and maybe your subject will wind up in our courtroom. We'll definitely give you a shout-out. Now, let's dive back into the courtroom. Oh, man. But despite his relative comfort, Lindell... For some strange, unfathomable reason that can't be possibly guessed by anyone, has a hard time sleeping. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just so wired when I get home. I don't understand. It's funny. And every interview they were talking to him and he was like, that's one of the downsides of cocaine, to be honest. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. So he thinks himself. He's he's like, why am I not sleeping well? Could it be the cartel shipment level of cocaine that I do every day? Nah. It's my goddamn pillow That's it (laughs) And actually That's lightening the insanity a bit Because the real story is that the pillow answer Came to him in a dream From a Bloomberg expose I read In 2004 The idea for my pillow A pillow that would hold its shape Came to him in a dream He said I got up in the middle of the night It was about 2 in the morning And I had my pillow written everywhere in the kitchen And all over the house One of his daughters came upstairs to get a glass of water and asked, like, what are you doing, dad? Lindell said he told her, I got this great idea for a pillow. It's called my pillow. <laughs> what do you think about it? And he said her, her reaction still made him laugh. She said, that's like really random. And then she went back downstairs. <laughs> so, yeah, Mike Lindell went like full on Jack Torrance from The Shining, like riding my pillow all over the house. Pretty much one step away from trying to off his entire family with an axe.
2: Dad's on cocaine again. I was just about to say, the wife said, like, just ignore dad. He's blowed out of his gourd again. It's my pillow. You're going to love it. Try my product. They're like, it's a different guy. <laughs> You're going to love
1: my nuts. No, that's a different one. But wait, there's more. Oh, shit. <laughs> But it all makes sense to Lindell, who now claims that not only did the idea come in the form of a dream, but that that dream and idea came directly from God himself. Divine intervention. That's right. Now, just for fun, let's take a look at what is known in medical circles as cocaine induced psychosis. (laughs) (laughs) Cocaine psychosis is one of the dangerous side effects of using the drug. Using drugs like cocaine changes how the brain communicates with the rest of the body. Psychosis can develop from long-term cocaine use. Psychosis is a symptom of several mental health conditions and can produce hallucinations and delusions. Another primary symptom of cocaine psychosis is cocaine delusions. Someone may experience different types of delusions, including grandiose delusions, where someone who has grandiose delusions can have overinflated self-esteem, power, knowledge, or identity. So... Did Yahweh himself implant the idea of a different pillow style to a Mike Lindell, self-admitted raging cocaine addict, as part of his divine universal architecture? Or is it more likely that Mike Lindell, self-admitted raging cocaine addict, was actually suffering from cocaine psychosis and grandiose delusions? I'm going to go with the latter, right? right? Yeah. You be the judge. I mean, <laughs> yeah, there are arguments that could be made from both sides. You know what I mean? Uh, the, his pillow did make him pillow
0: rich. Uh, you know, I mean, I guess you see the good and the bad, you know what I mean? Like he was, uh, way the fuck out there, but came up with a million dollar idea. You take the good, you
1: take the bad, you take the good. And then you have (laughs) the cracks of life. (laughs)
2: There you go. He's not just rich. He's pillow pillow rich, rich. bitch,
1: (laughs) man. Anyway, the engineering R and D for lack of a better term was for my pillow was that Lindell took foam and shredded it and reconfigured it until he liked the pillow. Full disclosure, I have never bought or even considered buying one of Lindell's pillows. I never even sought one out for it, like to take it for a test sleep. So I honestly can't and n- I'm not going to comment on the quality of a Mike Lindell My Pillow. I can. Okay. I was going to say, oh, do you nice. guys have any really? experience with this? Really? I do.
2: Um, I have purchased two, actually, because I don't know if you're going to touch on this later. They had a buy one, get one free deal for Christmas one year, I believe it was. I bought my wife and I two My Pillows, and they lasted. On our bed, probably a month. What, you just that didn't like a, them? Like they're they fucking sucked? terrible. It made my neck hurt. Like, legit oh, okay. made my neck hurt. Yeah. Oh, damn. And I like uh, a thin, kind of, not necessarily firm, but not a real mushy pillow. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. See, I and like the tempur
0: <clears throat> pillows. Those are the you ones You
2: might that... want to give one a whirl then, because they're they're a little, they're not big. Um, they're fairly soft, but I don't know. There's just something about them. I didn't sleep well with them, yeah, my wife nor I did.
1: I'm very specific with my pillows, too. The weird thing for me is I didn't even use a pillow ever until probably like seven or eight years ago. Like, Hold on, wait, what? Yeah, I just never slept with a pillow. I'm a, like, I sleep on my. You're um, a back sleeper? Um, stomach, no, on my stomach. Stomach sleeper. And so I would just turn my face sideways. But recently, yeah, like ever, I don't know, seven, eight years ago, I started using a pillow. But the pillow I use is like totally minimal. Like, it's almost like it's just like basically a, a sheet like yeah, yeah pretty like much like a pillow cover yeah yeah pretty much my wife is just like yeah, it's obviously your pillow the one that looks like someone rescued it from a crack den <laughs> somebody uh, deflated a yeah, pillow yeah cuz i and i, and I use it like cuz i can fold it up but like i said it's i'm with Randy in, in that i don't i like it thin and i hate squishy pillows like when i go like on business trips and they're like they have like the some of the nicer hotels will give you pillow options yeah but they'll have like the big fluffy pillows Mm -hmm. and then they have the the smaller i always pick the thinner one dude because those big fluffy pillows i feel like i'm like like gonna like kill myself somehow (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) yeah, it doesn't feel good you know so uh but i've I've never tried the mike lindell pillow because i have my pillow that i've had for eight years now and I'm never giving that thing up you've got your pillow I do have my pillow (laughs) fuck off Mike Lindell (laughs) no one wants my pillow though that's the thing you know what I'm saying the thing is dingy all right but yeah so Lindell makes a few dozen pillows and he's ready to go to market right he decided to go straight to bed bath and beyond and according to Lindell he said uh I have the best pillow in the world how many would you like and they were like okay you need to leave." And I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. Like this story made me think for a second that like Lindell's a pretty chill dude, right? It's like funny. It's self-deprecating. I was kind of like, all right, dude, that's a pretty good story. (laughs) So Bed Bath and Beyond is a bust. But then a relative tells Lindell that he should just set up a kiosk in the mall. Lindell says, "What's a kiosk? And how do you spell that?" (laughs) I was like, "All right." And I'm like starting to like this guy. Uh, He borrows roughly $15,000, sets up a kiosk at the mall, and that's that. Overnight millionaire, bro. Wow. Just kidding. He only sold 80 pillows (laughs) and was forced to shut the kiosk down.
0: I couldn't even recoup my 15000
1: No, imagine the guy that lent it to him. <laughs> Fuck, Lindell. Again? You know what? Who is lending this guy money at this point? Like, where's your
0: track record?
1: Oh, well, I had a pig farm. My bars were pretty good. It, you, all the money you made at the bars, you fucking snorted, brother. Well, yeah, but that's changed, you know? I'm, I'm on a, to, to different things. This is a pillow. You can tell now. You can tell that I'm not on the cocaine anymore because I'm sleeping. <laughs> So
2: I came up with my pillow and the dream that God gave me. Side <laughs> note, I fucking hate mall kiosks. Yeah, oh, they're, they're the Jesus Christ, man. Do not make eye contact. That's exactly right. You walk by just dead ahead. Sir, sir, sir. Uh-uh. You're not getting me today, I, I, buddy. I, I can't. Don't fucking spray me with cologne. I'm not buying your vape. I'm not buying a watch from a kiosk at the mall. No.
0: The electrical pulse things that they put on your back. To None of it.
2: Stimulate
0: your blood or whatever. None muscles. Of it.
1: There's nothing there that's worth a fuck. Except for, you know what, because I've I never I've, I've had one pair of expensive sunglasses in my life and they got stolen from me. So ever since then, my sunglasses game is all about like, I'm just buying cheap the shit. The kiosk. The sunglass kiosk is like, yeah. fuck it, dude. I'll go in there if I'm ever at a mall. Because there's two reasons I'm at a mall. Three. Three. Sorry. Food court. Great American cookie company for some double doozies. <laughs> sunglass kiosk. And three, like my wife always gets her rings resized. I don't know how often this happens, but it seems like every six months there's new rings to be resized or something like that. So yeah, I'm, I'm like, give me a double doozy, some cheap sunglasses, and my wife can pick up her rings, and I'm fucking out of there, bro. Yeah.
2: You can knock all that out in one trip. That's exactly right. Drop yeah. her off at the at the jewelry store, mm-hmm. you go get a cookie. Buy some sunglasses, go pick her up, get the hell out of there. Hey, that's
0: it.
1: Once every six months, good to go.
2: Yes, that's about right. Yeah. yeah, We're always kind of excited when she's like, oh
1: yeah, I gotta stop by and get rings. I'm like, oh, I fucking hate them all but I'm excited about this double doozy I'm about to get. It's double doozy time. Yeah, oh, they said the cream on the inside so good. I don't even understand what it's made of. I think it's made out of pillows. That's it, it's pillows. He said, it's My doozy. <laughs> my doozy. <laughs> that's it. Alright, so the kiosk fucking fails, right? It shuts down. But... The luck factor kicks in here for old Mike when one of those 80 pillows he sold at his kiosk went to a big shot at a local Minneapolis home show. That guy loves a pillow like he fucking loves it. i never had a better night's sleep than off of this. He said, it changed my life. Hmm. Uh, And he invites Lindell to come and pitch at the next big home show, dude. Uh, And he does. And this time the sales do take off. But something else happens, too. Because Lindell says, and that was when I got into crack cocaine. Oh, man. <laughs> That's a pretty big jump yeah. at that point, you know? Yeah. Do you know how
0: old he is roughly at this time, too? we like, do the
1: math, you know. It's like he was born in basically 60. Okay. Is that right? And then this is like, oh, 405. So he's 55 years old. No, he was born in 45. 45, 45
0: around that. Yeah, around mid-40s, I decided to uh, take the leap and try some crack.
1: Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, if you're doing powder cocaine... You know, you do a lot of it. I guess it's not that far. You know, oh, it's higher. Oh, he said. Well, dude, we we got a woo woo at a party I was at. He said they sprinkled the the cocaine into my joint. I heard about it from Dmx <laughs> and decided it. I would try it. He said, "Yeah, I'm gonna brush up on my sherm game pretty soon. <laughs> Dip my weed into some embalming fluid, bro. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, dude. I yeah. He said he said I got into crack cocaine." <laughs> So over the course of the next few years, Lindell continues to sell a lot of pillows, but he also smokes copious amounts of crack cocaine, loses his house, his wife, and damn near loses his pillow. Oh, no. (laughs) His pillow business. Don't you know. It gets so bad at one point that his own crack dealer refuses to sell him crack until he gets some sleep. He obviously didn't have Mama June's crack dealer then. No. uh, She
0: she was taking $90,000 cash app payments and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he should have, man, he would have hooked them up and we wouldn't have to be dealing with the my pillow guy anymore. <laughs> uh, but this is by his own account. Like, he loves telling the story. He just loves to tell it. From a CNBC article I found, it says, quote, In March 2008, <laughs> Lindell said he was awake for at least two weeks doing crack. He tells an incredible story about his dealer, Lee, who put the word out on the street that no one was to sell Lindell any more drugs until he got some sleep. Still, Lindell... Tries to score that night after Lee fell asleep. <laughs> but, no, <laughs> but no one would sell him even a single rock. One of the guys said, you're our only hope. <laughs> when Lindell returned to his drug dealer's apartment, Lee was awake and he goes, give me your phone. I'm going to take a picture. <laughs> you're going to need this for your book. I like to imagine like a Minnesotan drug dealer. <laughs> like it's street slang. But indeed, that picture of Mike Lindell. Exhausted and thirsting for crack, did appear on his autobiography, What Are the Odds? From Crack Addict to CEO. It's <laughs> in his book. Way. It's in his book. Did you Alex, see it? That is I did. really the name of his autobiography? Yes. <laughs> what are the odds? <laughs> 100%. Yeah. I looked at the picture. I got to Google this Yeah, shit. Google this shit. We'll wait.
2: Mm hmm.
0: Yeah. He looks like he's been up for a little while on that. Yep. He oh, looks wow. like the,
2: the
1: ghost of a car salesman.
0: He has not been using his pillow lately in no. this
2: picture. God, his eyes are sunken so far into his yeah, head. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. His hair's bitter. all
1: disheveled.
2: Cracked. But he said at one point, he was like, it was either 14 or
1: 19 days. But he said he didn't want to say 19 because he thought that was too unbelievable. Like huh. when he's telling the story. I was we like, We round down to 14. Yeah, he was definitely hallucinating. God. And he's married at this point. The God. business, and he has fucking kids. Man. Had
2: kids, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Imagine all that shit's going away pretty quick.
1: Pretty much, man. But yeah, like I said, they he published that picture for his uh, autobiography. <laughs> Side note: He and uh, his good friend actor Stephen Baldwin planned to turn the book into a movie as part of their new venture producing inspirational Christian films that quote aren't cheesy.
0: Oh, right. Good luck
2: with that, friend. <laughs> Speaking of Stephen Baldwin. Uh, Sunday mornings, my wife and I get up and uh, watch a show called Wife Swap that was on early 2000s or so. Yeah, I remember that they show. had Celebrity Wife Swap. Oh, God. And um, Like quasi-celebrity <laughs>
1: Wife Swap. Let's be honest. There's no real celebrities
0: doing that show. <laughs> yeah. Like in the same celebrity <laughs> boxing or celebrity death match. Yeah. So you know? Stephen
2: Baldwin was on there with, it was his ex-wife at the time. They had swapped wives with Jermaine Jackson's wife. And, uh, yeah, God, it was, it was a weird episode. Jermaine Jackson's a weird dude.
1: Yeah, he looks... Of course. Yeah. The whole thing's weird.
2: It, it is weird. Stephen
1: Baldwin's a weird dude, man. But like, if you're
2: up about 8 or 9 a.m. on a Sunday, yeah, Wife Swap. It's I'm watching it's a different type
1: of Wife Swap at 8 or 9 <laughs> p.m. <laughs> yeah.
0: They're actually the sponsor for this week's show. <laughs> yeah, wife it's Swap. It's <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> while you're on your pillow. That's <laughs> right. Uh, after that night... Mike Lindell did get sober 10 months later.
2: That's
1: (laughs) the same night. That's it. That was that joke on SNL that just crushed it. He said that night was a year. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. But after uh, he he got sober and this was after he prayed and God made him no longer desire cracker booze. And I feel like he could have just asked God for that favor like way earlier. But whatever, like mysterious ways at all. uh, You know, Lindell was convinced that God had bigger plans for him because his business, which let me remind everyone again, is the business of selling fucking shredded foam pillows on television, was starting to do well. God has a plan. That's right. (laughs) Of course he does. Shredded foam pillows that hurt Randy's neck have to get out there. They have to get out to my disciples. And regardless of how anyone feels about Lindell or his pillows, there is no denying the guy's financial success. On his ability to sober up and create his pillow empire, Lindell would say, People say all the time that it's one of the biggest miracles ever. (laughs) (laughs) Which, that comment sounds like something familiar for some reason. The vague people say and the superlative biggest ever. Why does it sound so familiar? I don't know, Mikey. Why does that sound familiar? We'll get into that in a minute. Anyway, the television was really the game changer. The infomercial was what turned my pillow from some weird random product on a retailer shelf into a national brand. These infomercials also made Mike Lindell a strange sort of quasi-celebrity. In each infomercial, Lindell would stand there in front of the camera and like off the cuff, he'd pitch the pillow to viewers, declaring things like, down pillows have ruined America. <laughs> <laughs> He's always got his Jesus cross on too. That oh, a hundred percent, man. That is conspicuous. Uh-huh. He's like, look at my cross. I love the Lord and I love my pillow. <laughs> but it's funny because like, whenever you meet like this is this is for real. Like, and this isn't me bashing on Christians, but if you ever meet someone that in a business interaction tells you that they're a good Christian, but as a precursor to doing the deal. Get the fuck out of there. I was they just gonna say not run. A yeah. Run. Yeah. Oh, there's the no way I'd screw you over, friend. <laughs> I love <laughs> the Lord. We're brothers in Christ. <laughs> that check will clear. Promise you. And that's the thing too. Like, I don't go into a lot of this because there's not a whole lot of time, but like this guy, I don't know how he was making things happen because like his credit was fucked up. He was just moving money around. Like, even when he was doing the infomercials, he was having to go to his like foam suppliers and all that shit and like beg them to give him like a credit line. And these guys did it. And so they look like geniuses now. Right. But there's tons of other dudes out there that did the same thing and fucked it all up. You know what I mean? Well, when you're awake 24 hours a day, there's a lot of time to do work. Yeah. Yeah. You look tired. Oh, I've been working so hard on my product. (laughs) It's crazy, dude. But yeah, like I said, the infomercials uh, take off. The sales go through the roof. But after a while, even as sales are booming, the reality is that Lindell's company is operating at a million dollar a month loss. Now, why is that? Right. Well, it's because Mike Lindell didn't know that he could negotiate bulk shipping rates. He's a hell of a salesman for sure. (laughs) Down pillows ruining America is a hell of a pitch, but he doesn't really know shit about his business. According to a Bloomberg article titled, quote, the preposterous success story of America's pillow king, the author says, Lindell never bothered to figure out his indirect costs. He didn't really even know what those were. Checks were flying off his desk, more and more of them to pay for the infomercial spots with no way to know which ones were working and which ones just wasted money. And you read stuff like this, dude, and it's hard for me to not like think that there's a lot of rich people out there that are just like borderline obsessives that got lucky as fuck. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we've seen it on the show, uh, you know, time and time again. Yeah. I mean, that is I'm not to take anything away from anybody that's successful. and This isn't me being like, you know, jealous or anything like that. But it is interesting when you meet people and you're like, how the fuck did you make all this money? You know what I mean? Like it's You're a like moron. I, yeah, yeah. And They look at you, they're like, I don't know. Well, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. They never say that. I wish they would because then it'd be more honest. But they know they're a genius at everything. And that's uh, like, I think it is like there is some some validity to the idea that like you just keep trying and eventually your the luck happens. Like make, make your own luck. I get that. But it's just the after effect where it's just like, oh, yeah, well, of course I was going to make tons of money off my pillow. I'm a fucking genius, dude. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, his sales are bumping, dude. Everything's going great. But around 2014, my pillow sales start to plateau and then they start drifting downward. And Lindell is pretty bummed around this time, too, because he just wrapped up his second divorce. We had a prenup. They did. (laughs) They had a prenup. He said, I don't even know what indirect costs are. You think I know what a prenup is? (laughs) My liar told me to do it. (laughs) Yeah, liar. (laughs) Oh, man. But yeah, the future is looking less certain for him at this point. That is, until he receives a message showing his sales spiking up massively one day. Now, the reason? Because he's just started running short ads during Fox News segments. Oh, wow. Yep. Lindell calls his media broker and asks, how much airtime can I buy on Fox News? And the broker's like, "Do you can do two, 2.1 million. He's like, buy it all. And he did. And that's it, man. I mean, that's that, it, it locked him into place. They, that's, it was a big winner for him. That was the lightning in the bottle yeah well he he had already had a ton of success but then like honestly I think this is like where the Lindell story enters its most recent most controversial chapter right because like perhaps bolstered by the support of the Fox News audience Lindell begins trotting out his political theories more and more frequently and I mean like if your audience is a bunch of cattle ranchers wouldn't it make sense to tell them how much you like steak this is true yeah true
0: how many times have you listened to an episode and thought Man, I wish they would have said this. Well, now with our interactive social media pages, you can let us know what you think about our show's subjects and give us your scores. We'd love to hear from you. Well, most of you, at least. Let's dive back into the action.
1: By the time Donald Trump is shockingly winning the Republican primaries in 2016, Lindell has become a pretty well-known figure in the Republican slash conservative circles. And he decides, like a lot of others at the time, to tie his fortunes to the Trump presidential campaign. But I don't believe this was like a cynical power play on Lindell's part, right? Like, when asked about Trump following their first meeting around 2016, Lindell said, this guy is going to be the most amazing president in history. He claimed also that he was chosen by God. He's a self-made man. That's right. Yeah. Just
0: like me. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were pretty much
1: the same. Yeah. Pe- peas in a pod. Pod. Yeah, uh, Lindell would go on to become an advisor to Trump. And, 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 yeah. and I, let, do you want to do some crack? <laughs> yeah. Let me pause here to say that we actually make great efforts to avoid politics on asshole court, if for no other reason than to just have a place where it isn't talked about. So I'm not passing judgment on anything other than to say that I think any reasonable person would never expect a self-avowed crack addict turned pillow manufacturer to have any role in a White House advisory board outside of a National Drug Abuse Awareness Initiative or, for some strange unforeseen reason, an American pillow shortage. (laughs) And this was just not the case, which is why a lot of people find Mike Lindell controversial or problematic. Was there no vetting done? Like... No, (laughs) not at all. But yeah, he was apparently advising President Trump on matters that, to put it lightly, fell outside of his narrow area of expertise. Uh, It wasn't on bartending or anything like that? No, not at all. In the summer of 2020, at the peak of COVID, Lindell goes on television and starts touting a cure called oleandrin. He goes on CNN and declares, this thing works. It's the miracle of all time. Again, with the hyperbole about all time great miracles. He owns three of them now. His uh, recovery and business was a miracle. This drug's a miracle. You know, the, the Trump presidency is a miracle. Everything is a miracle. And remember what I was talking about earlier? I'm saying, like, where does that sound so familiar with somebody speaking about people are saying that this is the greatest thing of all time? Uh huh. Yeah. That's like straight up the Trump playbook. I don't know if that was him. Like, I mean, I don't know if he spoke that way anyways, or if he just cribbed off of uh, like Trump's like speaking manners, but he definitely operates on that same page, man. And Trump said that he was having the government look into the drug. Like, yeah, he was like, check this out, buddy. Trouble is, Mike Lindell had a financial interest in the company that produced the drug. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Shocker. Yeah. Yeah. Not to mention that the drug had been tested and proved not only ineffective against COVID, but actually potentially dangerous. In low doses. (laughs) it was toxic in low doses oh
0: fantastic
1: yeah they had like one uh doctor from i want to cdc or emory or something like that that was like do not mess with this drug don't take this don't mess with the plant that it's from don't it's not it's not great i guess it has uses in certain cases but the nothing came from like the COVID tests that they did oh man yeah so like i said nobody should be listening to anybody about medicine that isn't an expert in the field Listening to the medical advice of a drug addict turned pillow salesman is as reasonable as listening to some random yoga mom at Whole Foods who tells you that organic arugula will cure cancer. (laughs) But it wasn't just sage medical advice that Lindell was offering to the fucking president of the United States. Oh, no. Because towards the end of 2020, following the electoral defeat of then-President Trump, Mike Lindell was frequently spotted at the White House. He was also going on air at any given opportunity to decry what he claimed was election fraud. Which, again, regardless of your beliefs, I think it's reasonable to ask why anyone is giving a fucking pillow salesman airtime for his opinion on whether or not there was national election fraud. Why not just put a tie on some random homeless guy off the street and let him rant about his opinion on, like, whatever to a national audience? Like, what's the difference? They both have the same level of expertise, I imagine. Where is Ja Rule indeed? (laughs) And then in the beginning of 2021, a photo was taken of Mike Lindell leaving the White House after what was presumed to be a super special advisory session with the president regarding whether or not there should be a peaceful transfer of power following the election. Indeed, the notes that Lindell was carrying out were legible with a decent camera. And on the top sheet was a note that read that martial law should be enacted if necessary to overturn the election results. Again, no political judgment here. Just a very direct breakdown of events. A crack addict turned successful pillow salesman somehow became the advisor to the most powerful office in the free world and proceeded to advise said office to crack down in an authoritarian manner to preserve his power. Regardless of your political affiliation, uh, I think this is an unreasonable turn of events. (laughs)
2: Luckily,
1: martial law was never declared. And a relatively peaceful transition of power occurred, minus the insanity of the January 6th Capitol storming, which resulted in five people being killed. But there was some fallout in the social media world with a lot of companies feeling that the inflammatory rhetoric that had led to said January 6th Capitol fiasco that it needed to be curtailed. Twitter, Facebook and other social media platforms closed a number of influential accounts, including Lindell and Trump. This infuriated many, including Mike Lindell, who claimed that it was a violation of their First Amendment rights, which from a legal standpoint, it most definitely is not. Yeah, I those we private to,
0: companies and, yes. you know, I should be able to say whatever I want on a private company's
1: platform. We've talked about this a few times. You have the right to say whatever you want to do. If you're a private company like that, you, can, you, you have your own rules for however this is going to be taken care of. If you don't like uh, that Starbucks doesn't have a Christmas cup, you can choose not to use or go like be a patron of Starbucks. If you think that Chick-fil-A is uh, giving money to anti-gay causes, you can choose
2: not to eat there. Everybody just needs to shut the fuck up and just accept that fact and call it a day. Well, a big thing coming up right now is businesses. Now that the mask mandates are rolling back, Mm -hmm. private businesses still have the opportunity and the, the decision to make masks mandatory in their business, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, right. Um, so very correlates directly to that, you know, on a, a Facebook or a Twitter, they have the right because they do own the company, they own all yeah. the, the property that has to do or that's published through their public, you know, through mm-hmm. their websites. They have that ultimate call. You yeah, know? Kroger has the ultimate decision whether you can wear a mask in their store or not. Yeah, sure. Know? Yeah. So
1: the First Amendment is very specifically about the government keeping you from making certain comments about the government. Right. Like if I went out and said that, you know, I think President Joe Biden is a horrible president and should uh, be booted out of office and I got arrested for that, that would be a First Amendment right. If I go to Kentucky Fried Chicken and say that Colonel Sanders uh, is a racist and I don't want to eat there, like I have the right to do that. And Colonel Sanders can tell me to fuck off. Right. That has nothing to do with the First Amendment right. I don't understand why this is so hard for people to understand. dude. Yeah. 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 Speech is not the same thing as a government intruding on your right to say whatever you want. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. It's just, it's a little frustrating for me. But Lindell decided that he would use all of his business acumen to engage the free market and offer a platform that would truly allow for freedom of speech. No need for cancel culture management on his new platform, which he eventually named Frank. As in Frank speech, like, let me be frank and say whatever I want. And after spending at least a million dollars personally and building up excitement in conservative circles, Lindell had the site launched in April of this year, and it proved that Lindell had a business acumen that crossed all sectors and industries. The site was technically amazing. Totally kidding. <laughs> it was an absolute bug infested, barely functioning shit show. But look, I'm honestly not going to mock him for trying. There's nothing wrong with giving an effort to, to that. And it's not easy, as people would like you to believe, to build a platform like that. It's right. It's difficult. It's not easy. Uh, but I will make fun of him for his blatant hypocrisy on this project. And that's because although it was touted as a free speech platform, Lindell set parameters that kicked anyone off for using profanity or the Lord's name in vain. So, not free speech, just speech <laughs> that Mike Lindell personally <laughs> likes. Which his his it's his right, right? Yeah. It's not my first amendment. I'm not, like I'll go on there and I'll say, you know, you know, Jesus uh, you know, was gay. And I'll get kicked off. And that's his right to do that. God damn it. Fuck you, Mike Lindell. (laughs) (laughs) Band. That's it. Uh, As of right now, the site is still a buggy mess, and I highly doubt that it'll ever uh, have more than a very niche audience of users. So there we are, fellas. That's Mike Lindell, Pillow Magnate. Wow. Final scores, boys.
0: Wow. What do you got there, Randy? Wow, from crack addict to CEO, who would have known? What was great <laughs> was they were annoyed. talking at
1: one point. They were trying to get, come up with like a uh, like a, a tagline for the movie, and it was from the crack house to the White House. Oh man, <laughs> like I, that's not a joke. That's what he was saying. Like I'm not making that we up. Gotta make I, this work.
2: Oh, you know, Ah, <sighs> man. So, <laughs> if you guys haven't seen the SNL uh, weekend update skit with Beck Bennett, who's mm-hmm. one of my favorite cast members on the show right now. Oh man. Uh, Imitating Mike Lindell. Go check it out.
0: It's fantastic. YouTube
2: it. Shit's hilarious, man. It is good. Um, so as final scores go. Kind of wish there was more out there about his childhood. That always. Right. Um, kind
1: of gives you like an idea of
2: who this person is. Builds yep. the foundation. Yeah, That's paints right. Paints the picture. That's exactly right. But, you know, you can't knock him for his entrepreneurial spirit. He hustled. He, he sure. tried a whole bunch of different shit until Absolutely. something caught. You know, we've talked about drug abuse in the past in the show. It is what it is. Not necessarily make you an asshole, but you can make some poor, poor decisions Mm -hmm. uh, while you're on drugs. Always. I fucking hate it when people are like, God told me to do this. Right. Um, So that just, you know.
1: And I'm like, you not step outside of yourself and see the absurdity of that. Like, I'm sure that, if you know, if God is like intervening directly, that he has bigger plans than putting a foam pillow out into the world. You know what I'm saying? (laughs)
2: Like, that's delusions of grandeur. That's right there. Exactly. So, you know, from, I guess, humble beginnings to where he's gotten, you know, you, you can't knock him for his work, but don't necessarily agree. Again, I fucking hate owners in their own commercials. Very narcissistic. I hate his fake ass fucking cross that he wears everywhere. Mm-hmm. Anytime you see Mike Lindell, he's got the little cross on and I'm not knocking Christianity, but um, you hear it all the time. The fake Christians, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think he fits that mold quite well. Mm-hmm. Um. As far as, you know, getting involved deeply into politics, can't necessarily blame him for that. It's like he wanted that opportunity and it was given to him for some fucking weird reason. Sure. Um, Divine intervention. That's right. Uh, so I guess, long story short, I'm going to stick with what I started with. 6.5 uh, Mike Lindell asshole score. Okay. All right. And buddy, what you got?
0: So, you know, uh, I, I did enjoy this episode. Uh, you know, I, I do love that he is... Uh, self-deprecating you know he, he likes to bring up all these old stories about himself right. and you know uh doesn't try to hide anything which you know i, I applaud him for Sells pillows yeah yeah
1: that's yeah. what you do bro yeah. Yeah. you know what I'm saying? you're not yeah you're not jonas Salk, you're yeah. not like curing polio motherfucker you'd sell pillows yeah and you know that's stuff
0: that would get us talking about it and probably one of the things that led randy to decide to try and you know try the pillow out Try my product, yeah. yeah. You know, I'll try this crackhead's product. Mm-hmm. He seems to be doing pretty well. So you know, I it seems like he's a bit pompous. He um he's doing the Lord's work, which you know, if if you are, that's fine, but eh, not in the way that he was doing it. Um, you know, the, God didn't come to him in a dream and tell him to make a pillow or to, uh, you know, eh, any of the other stuff. You know, I I do like what Mikey was talking about about the cocaine delusions and stuff like right. that and i think that's a little bit more where it came from but you know if you want to assign it to whatever i guess that is your right i didn't hear too much that made him like just like a grand asshole by when you sit there and compare like other people that we've done you know stuff like ceos like adam newman or um you know. John McAfee. Yeah, John McAfee.
1: Yeah. Stuff like
0: that, you know. I, I McAfee fucking killed, dude. Yeah, he did.
1: And <laughs> let, let girls doo-doo in his mouth. Oh. oh, Right here, get in the seat and just put a poop in my mouth.
0: You know, I, I have a hard time scoring him higher than any of those guys. You know, I, I think he's a little bit more on the you know, more in the Elizabeth Holmes and Jose Canseco ballpark um, more so than Adam Newman and John McAfee. So, as a final asshole score, I originally had him at a 5.0. I'm going to jump him up a little bit, but I'm going to give Mike Lindell a final asshole score of a, uh, a 5.5. 5.5. All
2: right, 5.5. Okay.
1: And I'm actually trying to look here at our range to get a good idea because, yeah, I mean, like I said, McAfee fucking killed a guy. Had a guy killed. Definitely got poo-poo in his mouth, but we also have him at an 8.5. With the
0: poo-poo. The poo-poo.
1: Um, yeah, you know, okay, all right, so, man, yeah, it's tough. I, I started him off with a 6.0, and I think, like, if he was, like, some sort of engine that you could fine-tune, like, Mike Lindell could be a cool fucking dude, you oh, know what I'm yeah. saying, like, he could be a funny <laughs> dude, like, to hang out with, you know, I don't want to smoke crack with him or anything like that I'd smoke some weed with him, though Yeah, 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 I'd you have some I mean? drinks with him, I'm sure he's got some fucking crazy stories but yeah, unfortunately, he went down this like holier than now path, which is like I'm with, with Randy on that one. Like when people are talking about like that God uh, intervening in their life to make them like successful by selling pillows. I'm like, dude, shut the fuck up. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and just narrow him down here. I'm going to give him a six point two five. I'm going to bump him up. Just a touch, uh, because, like I said, I don't, I don't love the uh, God uh, is loves me more than everybody else. And this is why I'm here, and um, I don't love that he tried to have the president overturn an election.
0: All right, with a 5.5 from Buddy, a 6.5 from Randy, and a 6.25 from Mikey. Mike Lindell's final asshole score is a 6.1.
1: Okay. All right. Yeah. Just right.
2: Got ticked up just a little bit. One one tick higher than Steven Seagal. That which again, oh. man, we have to go back to Steven. Steven Seagal is not a confirmed uh, rapist, but man, it's
1: pretty. It's, it's pretty close. You Some, know what we might need to do is we might need to go back and kind of look
0: at everybody that we graded early on in our recordings yeah. and kind of be like, you know what. Since we've been doing the show, we've kind of need to readdress certain people. Like on
2: Unsolved Mysteries. Update.
0: Yeah, (laughs) update.
1: Seagal is much more of an asshole than we initially anticipated. Yeah, we're sort of uh, getting a feel for this as we, uh, you know, more data. Yeah, yeah, you get more right. information. So, uh, it's, it's interesting. So, yeah, all right. Well, check it out, guys. Uh, you know, let us know what you think about Mike Lindell, my pillow guy. And, uh, let us know if you've ever bought a MyPillow and what you think of it. That is 100% for real. And I want to know, know more, more about, about my neck, my, my neck, my back, my, <laughs> my pussy, my neck and, and my, my back. crack. <laughs> Uh yeah and then for real uh give us ratings guys tell your friends about us uh check us out on uh all of our social media platforms which are significantly more active now and we're having good times uh, interacting with you guys and uh, appreciate it